0: listeners and welcome to the NK News podcast. I'm your host Jacko Zwetslut. Today it's the morning of Monday the 17th of January and I'm joined here in Seoul around the new NK News podcast table in the dedicated NK News podcast room joined by three members of the NK News team, James Fretwell, Jongmin Kim and NK News and NK Pro founder and CEO Chad O'Carroll. We're here to discuss some of the latest news out of and around North Korea. But before we get started, I have to remind you, as always, please leave a review about this podcast wherever you can, and that's so that people can discover our podcast more easily and our listenership can grow. Secondly, do go to nknews.org and consider buying a subscription. It helps to fund the wonderful and excellent journalism that my colleagues here at NK News and NK Pro put out every single day. Uh, And if you get the annual subscription, it's less than a dollar a day. Thirdly, follow all of us on Twitter. You'll find NK News at NK News.org, so that's easy. Chad O'Carroll is Chad OCL. James Fretwell is James Fretwell, where the L's are number ones. And Jongmin Kim is. Chongmin with two Ns, so J-E-O-N-G-M-I-N-N. Kim and I am at Jacko O Z or Z-E-D, if you like the American pronunciation. And if anyone can help me to contact someone in the Twitterverse to get an all-powerful verified blue Twitter checkmark, please contact me. For podcast suggestions, feedback, and questions and complaints, you can tweet us at one of those IDs I just mentioned, or email us at podcast at nknews.org. Anyway, uh, welcome back on the show, James, Chad, and Jongmin, and Chad's banana that he's surreptitiously eating. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. First topic uh, today on the 23rd of February 2018, almost exactly four years ago today. Well, three years and eleven months ago. Uh, episode one of this podcast went live. It was an interview with Andrei Lankov. Uh, sound quality was less than optimal. It was it, it, uh, terrible. Some, some people said it sounded like we were recording inside a toilet. Uh, we had quite a bit of echo. We didn't have any, any sound barriers. So we have improved a lot in that respect. Uh, and this episode that we're recording today will be number 218. So we've been going for... Nearly four years uh, and no sign of slowing down just yet. There are still a lot of people I want to interview, a lot of stories that deserve to be told, a lot of topics to cover. And of course new events and developments bring forth uh, interesting topics and people that I hadn't even mentioned or thought about before. So I want to thank Chad O'Carroll and everyone here at NK News for giving me the opportunity to host this amazing podcast for the last four years and 218 episodes. I must say that it is definitely one of the things in my professional life that I feel proudest of, so long may these podcasts continue.
1: Oh, uh, it's uh, breaking news today that James is going to be our new host from uh, the next episode, so it's been a pleasure. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Gabby, please cut out the last three minutes. (laughs) Just kidding. No, thank you very much, Jacko, for your great hosting over
0: the last four years. All right, before I get emotional, let's get these three <laughs> guests talking. Uh, first of all, big props to Jongmin Kim for getting a lot of attention from Korea's domestic media last week because of a question that you asked the two major presidential candidates, uh, Yoon Song-yeol and Lee Jae-myung. I watched with great pleasure and amusement a video released by No Cut V that began with your voice. Uh, and edited it all nicely together. What question did you ask the two men, and and why was it such a big issue?
2: So the question itself, uh, I should explain myself, was very tame, actually. Uh, The the background here is Yoon Sakyar, the Conservative People Power Party uh, presidential candidate. He held a New Year's press conference where I went. And as a final question, I asked him, um, that was the day that North Korea fired the third hypersonic missile, but we didn't know which missile yet in the morning. So I asked, uh, they fired a missile this morning, and the threat is continuing. What's your plan on how to prevent this? And it seemed maybe he took this as a missile. And then he answered... Uh, a missile that flies over uh, more than five times of speed, if they have nuclear weapons or, or nuclear warhead on the missile, it will take less than a minute to get to Seoul metropolitan area and conduct a uh, mass killing. And he said that it's uh, practically impossible to intercept. And he said because of that, um, we should use the something called kill chain in South Korea's three-pillar system um, uh, with a preemptive strike. And the preemptive strike part got a lot of headlines mm. because that part, even if it's in the military um, guideline uh, internally, it, po- politicians usually don't say that out loud because right. it's con- concert, con- and, uh, considered very provocative from the North Korean side usually. But um, a, a lot of outlets actually cut this part out, but ah. his, actually his conclusion at the end was that because these missiles are throw th- so threatening and dangerous, um, we should um, see this as a reality and continue a global diplomacy, quote unquote, and uh, in order to use sanctions to pressure North Korea to stop these uh, WMD uh, developments and do not? Um, he said that we should not see this as a type of reality that should go on, the, the weapons development. So that was his logic. And then the right after this, the Democratic Party held a emergency press conference to uh, condemn the, the conservative candidate for saying something so dangerous and risky on the Korean Peninsula, mm. and the following day— So
0: your question, mm-hmm. or the response to your question— led directly to the Democratic Party calling an emergency press conference. Exactly. <laughs> wow, okay. That's the uh, journalist becoming part of the story, Chad.
2: <laughs> You're yeah, right, but but in the in the morning it seemed that the Yoon camp was quite happy about the question and the and the response. And right. they, they they are still defending it saying that um, it was a hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it wasn't. It was a hypothetical answer, and that um, g- technically, that it's true, that it's difficult to intercept is Yoon Camp's logic. But the following day, uh, the Progressive Democratic Party presidential candidate Lee Jae myung held another press conference to announce two military related hires and issue a statement officially condemning North Korean missile launch as well as Yoon Suk remark.
0: So, okay, something I'm not clear about um, is: did uh, candidate Yun specify in which circumstances or, or what would trigger a preemptive strike? Like, is it just if we see the missile getting ready, or, or is that right? Reason?
2: So after after that remark, I called uh, the the top foreign policy aide at Yun Camp and uh, asked him to ask them to explain yeah. w- what the logic was here so it, it, the, so technically uh, he what he was supposed to say it seems was that if you see a clear distinctive sign that a nuclear uh nuclear attack against South Korea is imminent mm-hmm. if you if you detect those signs right. um that there will be a launch, you have to strike the strike the target before the missile gets launched so that's okay. so that's the logic
0: and and as you say, that's not um, an unusual thing for a military person to, to say. And, and it may even Internally. Be, it, it, internally, exactly. It, it may even be written the rules of engagement. We don't know because those rules of engagement, as we've learned through this podcast, themselves are secret, right? They're, they're classified. But so for a politician to say, uh, this is what we would do, that's unusual. Chad, in all the years that you've been covering uh, North Korea, have you heard South Korean politicians say preemptive strike in, in other circumstances?
1: Uh, I think well the Pat hye administration created the kill chain mechanism right which the South Korean government renamed when president moon uh became the leader um so what's it called now uh, I've forgotten the name sorry to <laughs> <this> problem, eh? <laughs> yeah uh, try that, yeah um but the uh ki- the original kill chain yeah I mean it did have a like a leadership aspect to it which was to to kill the North Korean leadership oh, as well. What they
0: call it, a, a decapitation strike.
1: Yeah, so that you know, Park Geun was pretty gung ho about uh, that. And uh, but did she, did she talk publicly about it? Uh, I can't remember. Okay. I I don't know. Hmm. But you know, I I I spoke to uh, one person who was at one of our um, events the other day, and they they uh, they made a good point I thought, which is you know, here is the, the Minju Party fretting about. Um, uh, not upsetting kim jong un when kim jong un doesn't give a damn about upsetting south korea any day of the week so so and and isn't it that the person said to me isn't it prudent for south korea to be thinking about these things and for the next president to be concerned about his citizens safety and be ready to to take um preemptive action if and when required so um yeah that source's conclusion was uh, that the 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 left are maybe thinking too much um but
0: yeah, Jungmin. Jungmin, yes.
2: Right. So I should follow up with the uh, expert reaction to that, and also EJ Young's logic against it. Sure. Uh, the expert reaction to that right away was that first of all, all the controversy on conventional weapon versus nuclear weapon—it's a very contested idea because it's very, very difficult. Um, if you want to preemptively strike a, a, a country that has a nuclear arsenal, you have to be able to strike all of the nuclear arsenals at the same time, so mm. that they do not attack back afterwards. So, is South Korea uh, cap- capable of it? It's 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 controversial. Mm-hmm. Second of all, saying something like preemptive strike by a politician, it could so it's actually also Yi Jae logic as well. It's risky because it could lead to a war based on misjudgment on when who will strike first because everybody wants to strike first. Um, so that war, th- those two were the major reactions from the experts. And then afterwards, Lee Jae held a press conference uh, officially urging Yun Suk to retract the preemptive strike statement. Um, and I was also there, and I mm. asked a follow up question to Lee Jae saying, "So my initial wording was this to Yun Suk And my follow-up question is, if you were the head of the country's military, if you were elected as a president, and under the same circumstances, um, under the same premise that the nuclear attack against South Korea is imminent and very distinctive, what would you do? And his reaction was, it is true that it's in CONOP, concept of um, operations Mm -hmm. to hit the target um, if the the attack is imminent and there will be a mass damage in south korea but it he said that it it is in the military guideline uh, and something the military expert should say in an operation room not politician because it's inappropriate and um he said that and also fundamentally he has a different conclusion saying that Um, he the uh, president should be able to stably manage the south korea and north korea relations so that no missile provocation is needed and he also actually used the word provocation
1: so just one thing um Mm. 2017 kim jong-un said that well north korean state media said south korea u.s military bases in the pacific ocean and even the u.s mainland our military is keeping an eye should the u.s lose rationality and make the slightest move to conduct preemptive strikes against us Our mighty nuclear weapons will obliterate the strongholds of invasion and provocation. And they said that they will hit the U.S. first, should Washington show any signs of preemptive strike. So So they'll say,
0: we'll beat your preemptive strike with our own preemptive strike. Yeah, so it's good
1: for the goose, it's good for the gander, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Chongmin, is there any indication that the Korean public is at all... In a tizzy about how either of those two candidates responded to your question. I mean, is it actually a thing that people choose who to vote about?
2: Um, it wouldn't change their mind that much on who to vote for, but the idea of preemptive strike is for South Korean citizens something of a that, that reminds them of the possibility of war that um, the Korean Peninsula mm. is still going through, and it's 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 something that the Progressive voters and the conservative voters will criticize the either side because the the South Korean public were progressive were saying that Yoon um, is being too dangerous and risky, mm-hmm. but the conservative uh, I was monitoring the the replies on the on the on the, on the, in the reports as well, and the conservative rep- responses were that um, Yoon's idea is something that leaders should bear in mind.
0: Mm. Did you also get a chance to ask this question of An chol Su, who could actually be the dark horse candidate that wins this race in seven weeks' time, if uh, one or the other candidate is, continues to be beset by scandals?
2: Not yet, but I would be definitely interested in asking him. I, I understand that there will be a press conference for foreign correspondents soon.
0: Oh, with, uh, uh, with candidate An?
2: Yes, but I'm not sure it was supposed to be on record, so uh, I'll check. Okay, Gabby.
0: Right. Okay, James. New and improved missile tests. Three this year so far. It's only what two weeks? Barely two weeks into uh, into 2022. What is a hypersonic missile? What does it all mean? What's why is it significant? Well, so first of all, a hypersonic missile is anything that travels
3: uh, faster than Mach five, which is five times the speed of sound. So the important thing. To highlight is that technically a lot of uh, what we would normally just call ballistic missiles mm-hmm. would also qualify as hypersonic missiles. Ah. So there's a bit of confusion over the terminology. What uh, North Korea is claiming or, or what we generally mean by hypersonic missiles would be um, something like a hypersonic glide vehicle. Um, okay, now wait, wait, wait Before be...
0: we get into glide vehicles, so before <laughs> this year... Uh, have there been missile types that north korea has successfully tested that have gone faster than mach 5 yes okay and do, do you know do you happen to know what the names of those particular models of uh, of missiles are
3: i mean uh, a lot of the uh, just generally when when we would say there's a ballistic missile launched that would be a hypersonic missile oh. technically
0: okay so so many of north korea's current
1: well, stable it be, of missiles it would it be a missile that flies at hypersonic speeds right technically the the key difference mm. that you were about to to elaborate <laughs> is the uh hypersonic glide vehicle aspect Maroth. and and according yeah is it a nickname
3: <laughs> well so <laughs> so in september north korea tested um what uh looks like it had a had a glide vehicle judging by the design but south korea uh poo-pooed that uh weren't quite uh You know, North Korea claims that it it successfully tested hypersonic missile. South Korea said, well, maybe they're not quite there yet with that kind of capability.
2: In a back briefing, not on briefing Right.
3: But the missiles that North Korea tested this year that they've been calling hypersonic, um, it was a different design to what they tested in September last year. Um, and it looks more like something typically associated with uh, what you would call a manoeuvrable re-entry vehicle uh, or
0: a MARV. MARV. <laughs> ah, okay. So a, a hypersonic missile with, with this glide capability, is it something that you basically shoot straight up into the atmo- out of the atmosphere and then it comes back in and then glides... Like a glider? Is that sort of the idea, generally speaking? So these missiles would be deadlier because they would fly at lower
3: altitudes and glide towards their targets. So it would mean that uh, missile defence systems wouldn't be able to uh, spot them until the last moment. Is which... that
0: because missile defence systems are often dependent on seeing the trail of an engine, for example, and then homing in on that engine?
3: Um, well, it's also to do with the Earth's curvature. So if you're firing a ballistic, it's a lot about trajectories. So ah. if you're firing it... Uh just basically up and then it's going to come down. you can detect it from further away because it's flying at a higher altitude. Where if it's flying at a lower altitude because of the uh, earth's curvature, you can't detect it until it's um closer to the targets
1: but crucially it can also as you you inferred it can maneuver so if you look at the trajectory of the the, the most uh recent uh hypersonic missile that was tested uh it was on the trajectory was on a display um adjacent to Kim Jong-un and you can see it it shot across the peninsula and then turned uh northwards to after after Russia and sort of swung up by uh the coastline of of Russia um and you don't see that with a, a ballistic missile launch yeah. ballistic is just you know if you lob a a tennis ball high up that's kind of kind of a ballistic trajectory and it will just drop down um a where parabola. gravity pulls it right? right but imagine the tennis ball can start maneuvering and going around the court and hitting the umpire in the head mm. something like that that would be more uh, similar to a hypersonic tennis and, ball
3: and i think the key <laughs> things here are that um the international community would generally uh, come together to uh add more more UN sanctions or at least enforce existing ones more tightly when North Korea launches uh, either a, an ICBM conducts a nuclear test or a um, satellite launch uh-huh. um, because those are the technologies that well are associated with nuclear weapons of course in the case of the nuclear test but also um, long-range missiles that could potentially um, hit the continental United States. So why are we panicking about these, um, shorter range missiles? Well, as Chad said, they can maneuver and that causes more difficulties for existing missile defenses. That's why over the past year or so, we've seen lots of tests of, um, you know, submarine launch ballistic missiles, um, what North Korea is calling hypersonic missiles, uh, missiles, Launching out of trains, they're all designed to combat existing missile defenses in their own different ways. It's like a cat and mouse game. The um, the U.S. and South Korea will always have to be, um, you know, re- responding to these these uh, new ways that North Korea is developing missiles.
1: But it's also some of these new technologies, submarines, um, and especially rail. That's about survivability. So in the event that going back to the hypothetical we talked about at the start mm. um if Yo wants to preemptively strike um missile launching capabilities or um uh, uh in in north korea um then it's going to be a lot harder to do that when you've got rail and sub uh submarine based um uh, resources which are going to be much much harder for south korean and u.s intelligence to track so yeah they, they're really creating um a real fortress i mean of of uh nuclear and missile capabilities that is
0: um it is sorry gabby we're just uh, having some sound issues here okay um by the way before before you go on chat i i want to uh, just welcome any uh, corrective emails from uh, technical experts on these issues that uh, we we often get them uh, do send them to podcast at nk
1: guys guys missile <laughs> no <laughs>
0: Wow. wow. Uh, well, breaking news. We've just had a fourth, uh, that repeat a fourth uh, missile for 2022 uh, lobbed by North Korea. Jongmin, you bring up the details while we're talking here. Chad, go on with what you were about to say.
1: So, yeah, um, a lot of this is to do with survivability as well as what James just said. So, um, the reason they're investing so much in submarine launch uh, and rail launch ballistic missile capabilities is that so. If someone like um, candidate Yoon becomes president and wants to preemptively strike North Korea, well, it's going to be a damn lot harder given North Korea is expanding its um, remotely configurable and, and movable uh, capabilities that in some cases, like rail, could be um, deployed within tunnels and moved around the rail network. It's a lot harder to, uh, to, to stop that.
0: So uh, Jongmin, yes
2: uh while we were recording in here it seems that north korea fired another unidentified projectile towards east sea that's mm. all the detail we have now but that's back and back to back thats is
0: it is it uh, James, correct me if I'm wrong here, but these hypersonic missiles—have they just begun from this year? Is—is is it uh, you know we've had four launches, but were there any hypersonic missiles with the gliding and the Mav and all that tested last year?
3: Uh, North Korea has started claiming to be testing North Korea uh, hypersonic missiles from last year. So oh, I see. September. Uh, September. Oh,
1: yeah. from
0: September. All right. Uh, well
1: one thing with this? Um, this increasing uh frequency of missile testing which let's be clear we haven't seen this this tempo since 2017 Mm. the days of fire and Fire and fury i mean we are edging closer and closer to the olympics yeah and you're you're having the u.s last week calling for un sanctions on north korea and i really wonder what pyongyang's goal is because as we get closer to the olympics the more and more that this risks really upsetting China, and just yesterday, as we record, China um, accepted the first train from North Korea. It doesn't mm. have to do that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to facilitate trade to North Korean ports. Um, and I just wonder if, um, if, if there's anything on the North Korean side that is trying to um, to, to uh, somehow encourage. Uh, China to get upset about this right. for some bigger strategic reason. I don't know. I'm just I'm just spitballing here. And we know
0: that North Korea isn't going to the Olympics, so it's not like they care about the Olympics either way. But uh, yeah, they could be trying but to uh, upset China. Yes, Chong-win.
2: But in Rodong Sinmun, they are um, writing articles that are praising China's efforts to make the Olympics oh. um, safe. Uh, okay. So so they are not just they are not dismissing how olympic is important but they're just not going but still i feel like beijing would be very upset about all of these north korean missiles many of them which were fired from the board near the border yeah and it's mm.
1: literally two weeks right so if if we've just seen two more missile tests now and presumably the us is gonna you know you get this tit for tat uh, loop mechanism that starts we saw it extensively in 2016 2017 two weeks is a short time for that to potentially uh get under control
3: as far as beijing w- would like
1: to see things so i'm just yeah i'm just puzzled by the timing of this um it's interesting
3: i suppose it's it's how close to the uh, olympics is too close because um, as you were both saying if if China is pr- providing most of uh, uh, North Korea's economic support. So we would assume that if North Korea continued launching missiles throughout the Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, then this would really upset China. So yeah. maybe it's trying to do all its missile testing um, as much as it can before it, it right. would really start to anger China. Now, we'll have to see.
0: James, you said that these are uh, short-range uh, missiles. What, how far can they go? Presumably not to the U.S. mainland, but what could they reach?
3: Well, um, the Korean Peninsula.
0: Sure. What about China? Uh, Sorry, what about Japan?
3: Uh, I believe so, yes. Guam?
0: Uh, No. Okay. Um, So therefore also not Hawaii. So it's basically it's a danger to South Korea and Japan at this stage. Right, yeah. Right. Hmm. Okay. Well, that brings us to, uh, to sanctions, um, America's latest sanctions against North Korea. Last Wednesday, Washington, D.C. time, the Biden administration revealed its second package of unilateral sanctions designations targeting North Korea just a day after Kim Jong-un oversaw the test firing of the second hypersonic missile in less than a week. Uh, Chad, tell us about these new sanctions. Uh, who or what was designated and, and what are they expected to achieve?
1: Yeah, so uh, I believe it was six people um, uh, and one company. Uh, Most of them were North Koreans, but there was one or two Russians and a Russian company involved. And they were all accused of, they're all overseas uh, from North Korea Mm -hmm. um, within China and Russia. Um, And they were accused of playing a a key role in facilitating the acquisition of components and know-how for North Korea's WMD and Missile programs—they um, were designated under um, U.S. unilateral sanctions. Um, and what
0: does that actually mean? It just means they can't fly into America, or they can't buy something in America.
1: Well, well, here's the, this is where it, for me it, there's a bit of redundance. So mm. the U.S. and the U.N. have already sanctioned for many, many years the behavior and uh, work that these individuals were doing. So if any any financial institutions were aware or suspicious that they might be engaged in this kind of uh, behavior, then they were already frozen out of the US financial system. And they should, by dint of just having a North Korean passport, right. those uh, North Koreans were already frozen out of the UN, yeah. uh, United Nations, sorry, the, the US, US system. Yeah. So there is a bit of redundance there, but. Um, experts i spoke to said that the, the the value from the u.s perspective of designating them by name was a reminder to like-minded nations that north korean overseas um representatives often do play a key mm. role in uh sanctions breaching directly related to wmd i think that there was a, a key part there secondly it was symbolic it came after a day after missile testing so it's obviously uh important from from that regard um but uh yeah it's it probably won't make much difference um in the grand scale of things and what one other expert said uh who i spoke to um uh, george lopez his name is uh, a professor at notre dame university who is the first ever u.s member of the panel of experts Mm. way back in the day um uh, a bit of a sanctions guru he he made the point that uh, the biden administration would have loved to get this through the UN and they did try a day later but he said after um, you had the likes of Trump and indeed Biden himself standing idly by as North Korea tested SLBMs and other Long-range, uh, sorry, not long-range, but medium and short-range missiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, good luck getting a, um, a a UN sanctions resolution through. It's it's going to be impossible.
0: So, so America actually has brought this to the United Nations Security Council and and hoped to get some sort of resolution for new sanctions. Is that right? Yeah,
1: Washington's uh, envoy to the UN. Um, she uh, posted. Uh, or maybe her office posted on Twitter that there were was a new effort to get new designations through, but there's been no new designations for years now at the UN, and we Is know because
0: China and Russia have stymied them, or uh,
1: not not always just um, China and Russia, but mostly. But um, those are two countries that are wanting the UN to. To dial down sanctions wow. um, and it doesn't seem to be um any chance of that happening but i i i very very confident they will be opposed to new sanctions unless north korea does something like an icbm launch or at the same time as the opening ceremony of the olympics or something like that
0: that would certainly be uh, quite provocative uh, for <laughs> all concerned uh, does north korea's leadership or economy show any particular sensitivity to sanctions particularly new ones
1: well um no uh let's face it what north korea has done with its covid isolation is probably uh way wilder than any uh sanctions advocate would ever hope uh his or her sanctions could ever create as t- in terms of economic pressure um but yeah some people that i spoke to said that the um fresh designations even if just by the us it it just helps remind people at banks financial institutions to be cautious when um transacting or facilitating transactions of people Mm. uh, entities that may be close to north korea Um, hence the uh, importance of the fact that these russian firm this russian firm and uh, russian national were named now i should point out that the the russian foreign ministry um put out a statement uh, a couple of days ago condemning the U.S. for this, saying it's uh, basically fiction that Russians are involved in any way in facilita- facilitating North Korea's WMD missile programs.
0: I think uh, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has a whole stack of pre-written condemnations of U.S. actions that can be pulled out at, uh, at a moment's notice. Quite Possibly. Uh, Jongmin, tell us about the UN Food Program. What's it recently said about North Korea's food situation in a recent report?
2: There just was that uh, because of the border closure and the international staff leaving, it was very difficult for them to deliver any aid for the vulnerable North Korean population, such as women, children, and patients, tuberculosis patients. Mm-hmm. And the last time they delivered food for these people was March 2021. That okay. was when the, uh, the country director for the World Food Program left and that person was the f- last United Nations staff who remained in North Korea until the very end uh, before uh, there was no humanitarian workers at all in North Korea mm. and even at the time in March, um, the food they delivered was something that was already in the stock in, in the country and yeah. they ran out of it oh. afterwards.
0: All right, so James, there's a new book of uh, letters uh, to and from former President Park Kun hye What attracted your attention in this book? I, saw, I was in Kyobo yesterday. I saw it there on the uh, uh, on the counter by the uh, the cash registers, so I, I, I realized that it was there, but I didn't know there was anything interesting about it uh, related to North Korea. So fill us in. Well, I'm, I'm surprised you saw it, like your book, as when I went
3: there, they, they'd sold out in um, in the Kwangomun Uh, when was that uh, that was a one or two weeks ago I think so it is it is very popular they had to restock it um, I suppose what interested me is, um, you know, we, we often talk about the uh, North Korea's missiles and nuclear weapons. And um, if if you live in South Korea, actually, um, South Korean people don't seem all that concerned all the time about these things. Mm. So I think it's, it's important to remind people um, how North Korea... Can play into South Korean politics in in other ways. So Park Geun Hye, as you remember, was impeached. Um, was recently pardoned by President Moon Jae um, In. Spent ostensibly on health in, grounds, wasn't it? Um, well, she was. Uh, she's she's still in hospital, I mm. believe. She she does appear to be in in poor health. Mm. Um, and the the book is a collection of letters from her supporters sent uh, during her time in prison um there are 166 letters i believe most of them uh, don't have anything to do with north korea but a substantial number do have something mm. to do with north korea and a substantial number are supposedly um uh, written by defectors oh. which is interesting because defectors make up a tiny proportion of the population yeah. so according to um Parkinier's team uh The the former president received tons and tons of letters uh, during her time in prison. So uh, her team handpicked which letters she was going to publish and respond to in her book. So the fact that she picked so many that her and her team picked so many to that mention north korea Mm. and that were sent from defectors i think shows that she wants to um that there is something about north korea that she can use to kind of promote herself and i think that's because if um if defectors are talking about how you are a bastion of of freedom well um Who else would uh, know the value of freedom more than North Korean defectors, right, right, who have escaped the most oppressive uh, country on the planet? And the other references to North Korea are generally about um, how... The, the Park's enemies are, you know, maybe pro-North, have pro-North Korea sympathies,
0: right. etc. D- does the word uh, Jongbuk get uh, used in the book at all? It does, yes. Okay, which is the uh, the sort of catch-all insult to, uh, to all South Korean progressives and leftists who are supposedly uh, in the thrall of North Korea and obeying commands from Kim Jong-un, right? Yep, that's right. Uh, Now, it it should be borne in mind that Park Geun-hye, before she became president, and I think even before, well, before she was on the road to becoming president, back in the mid-2000s, she visited Pyongyang uh, and had a personal meeting with Kim Jong-il, and there's there's photographs of that. Does that get mentioned in the book at all, or is that forgotten now?
3: I I didn't see any mention of that. I think it's important to mention the book. uh, The way it's written, the format is that... They'll print one letter from her supporters and mm-hmm. a reply from Park. So it's it's not like a um, a biography, right. or it doesn't really uh, directly hint at what uh, policies she she would. I mean, she's not mm. going to become a. Become president again, right? No, as well, as, as, as much as some uh, of her supporters in Kwangnam would like that to happen. Mm. Um, so this book is really about trying to rebuild her
0: reputation and and legacy. Yeah, I, I remember thinking about uh, at the time when when she went and had that that visit with Kim Jong Il that it was uh, an extraordinary moment in uh, sort of inter Korean relations. That here we had uh, the the second generation, the, the children of two uh, of Korea's you know, dictators, not putting them on the same level and saying one's as bad as the other. But, you know, there were two people of legacy politics meeting each other, uh, and there seemed to be at least a moment of hopefulness that they could find some common ground and something, but uh, that obviously didn't happen, and uh, at least in the long term, and when she became president, of course, Kim Jong-il had had since uh, died, Uh, but, but, you know, she did not have a, a better relationship with North Korea than her predecessors did, in fact, perhaps even worse. Yeah, uh, Jong Min, speaking of North Korean defectors, some of whom wrote these letters to, uh, to Park Geun-hye, uh, there's a story uh, that 771 defectors have fled South Korea. Where's that number from?
2: Right. So it was a South Korea. So how it became news was that a South Korea media outlet based that number on a research paper written by a PhD student and a Korean National Police University professor in June last year. So it was old report, Mm. uh, which alleged that uh, 771 defectors had left South Korea and sought refuge in a third country as of 2019. But uh, Unification Ministry dismissed the report as not factual and that the research paper misinterpreted statistics on how many defectors traveled outside the country as immigration number?
0: I guess it all depends on when you start counting. Is this 771 defectors from 1953 until 2019?
2: It seemed like a cumulative number, but right. it wasn't clear, honestly. And and the unification so so yes, unification ministry. Uh, so so how many did actually immigrate to a third country? Yeah. And their response was that only 20 defectors um, who were originally settled in South Korea. Mm-hmm. We to another country permanently from 2016 to 2020, 2020. so that's also a cumulative number okay. but that's counting from 2016.
0: Um, and that's 20 that uh, one of those would be a, an example would be our recent uh, podcast guest Park Yonmi uh, Yeonmi Park who's permanently immigrated to the United States should be one of those 20 presumably.
2: Right. So if you originally resale in, in South Korea first, yep. they would be counting that. But they wouldn't be counting uh, defectors who moved from North Korea right away to other countries. That is right. So that number is not included. And the reason why this story became um, a thing in South Korea was mm-hmm. because of the redefection defection recently. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so after people found out that the person who crossed the border on is January a, 1st... A, a, gym, a
0: former gymnast?
2: Uh, reportedly
0: reportedly a former gymnast who had reportedly been working as a cleaner in south korea near the border uh went and redefected to north korea in pretty much the same manner as he came down from north korea if it's the same guy right just basically g- going through uh, or over fences
2: right through through the land border right um and it, it got a lot of traction in in south korea but unlike um at first people were talking about the possibility of this person being a spy but Mm. later on more attention was given to how it was so difficult for North Korean defectors to resettle in South Korean society which is very very competitive and Mm -hmm. a lot of surveys came up about the difficulties of mental health issues and education Mm. access and so on and so forth issues that people uh, defectors go through here and the Number in the research paper that Unification Ministry dismissed also stated that 30 defectors uh, redefected to the north from South Korea uh, between 2012 to 2020, and Unification Ministry said that actually that number is correct.
0: 30 redefections? Yes. Between 2012 and 2020. Well, that's And that's more than defectors moving overseas to a third country after settling in South Korea. Uh,
2: different time period, but technically yes.
0: Right. Wow. Okay. Um, is that a hot topic for, for South Koreans? Or is it something that's, you know, it's in the news for a day and then it gets forgotten about quickly?
2: It was around, f- it was in headline for around a week, but then oh. North Korea started firing a lot and a lot of missiles, so.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, that does tend to overshadow things, of course. Embarrassing in military circles, though, in True. South Korea. Oh,
0: right. th- you mean the possibility of redefections? Yeah, a security breach.
1: Right. Someone can, can do this twice uh, in a row. Yeah, pretty pretty worrying because this is ostensibly just a regular North Korean escapee and not a commander who's trained to right. cross the uh, the DMZ, uh, knowing where mines may be and coming to collect information and so on and so forth.
0: And it's the most heavily defended border in the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so how yeah. you know, is it even possible, Chongmin? You've got a comment,
2: right? Also, importantly, the reason why the security breach was particularly of a, of a more interest for people who are interested in um, unification policy, mm-hmm. North Korea policy of immune administration was because it followed to the 2018 September inter-Korean military agreement, Uh. after which South Korea and North Korea agreed to get rid of the guard post Mm. at the border, not all of them, but part of them. And um, it seems that uh, one of the areas that that the security personnel uh, got out uh, from South Korean side to make it an unmanned one, Uh. um, this redefector used that area.
0: Right, but presumably there'd be CCTV and mo- motion-detected cameras and things like that.
2: There's thermal. Uh, th- there's a device that can track thermal movements, and there are also CCTVs. But um, like we saw in past redefections and border crossings, it seems that it, it, the the, the personnel at the border had difficulty uh, real-time tracking what's going ah. on because because of the visibility and all that. Yeah.
0: So was this in the middle of the night? This redefection
1: yeah it was late at night Um, but you know there's there's been calls that uh the south korean army needs to introduce artificial intelligence monitoring and blah 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 the thing is borders are very difficult to guard in any country of the world um and that you know i've heard it from very very senior usfk people um you know who basically say it's impossible to fully safeguard Mm. a border as large as as we see between the two Koreas. so yeah this is probably something that will will keep happening um and of course, you've also gotta hope that the system is flexible enough to actually allow people who are defecting to mm-hmm. get across safely and not be shot down or killed um and I think some people forget that when they see a breach especially southward um that they forget that well it's in the you're hearing about it in the news because the system has worked. Right. And the person has been apprehended and is now, you know, going through um, security and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Obviously, there may be times when when it's not worse, but But these
0: these are the infiltrators and spies that we don't hear about. Yeah. Which, yeah, if if you go to
1: the coastline of South Korea, I always worry. Actually I'm going to Kosong tomorrow for ah. for 3 or 4 days for a vacation. So I'll I be... didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be uh close to the action and if you hear of anything. Ah, excellent. Okay. <laughs> I'll be I'll be on duty
0: ready
2: to
1: report. <laughs> right.
2: Awesome.
0: Uh, we also recently had uh Kim Jong-un's birthday on January the 8th. Was that a big media event in North Korea?
2: I was we can watch that. Uh, that day, and um, the only thing that they focused on in state media was the follow-up to the party plenum. They were holding mass rallies across the country. Um, There were a lot of banners uh, praising Kim Mm Jong-un, but uh, there was no official celebration of Kim Jong-un's birthday.
0: Right, okay, so they haven't made that a a thing yet. Uh, Is it actually a public day in the sense that it's on North Korean calendars? Do North Koreans know, oh, it's January the 8th, that's, you know no
2: no it's not official in north korea although the outside world knows because of things to dennis rodman right because um,
0: right, he sang the song
2: right and kenji fujimoto the the formal chef um they 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 said that at the birthday is january 8th but first of all the the year of birth is contested so far right. um, some people say 92 93 and 90 82, uh, sorry 82. 82 83 84 mm-hmm. um and it really depends but from North Korean perspective, it will be so convenient if Kim Jong-un were born in 1982 because that way they will be able right. to match Kim Jong-un's and um, birth anniversary ending with zero or five with Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il.
0: Right. So he would have been born on the, the 70th or in the year of, of the 70th birthday of Kim Il-sung.
1: I want to know because if I ever get the chance to meet him, I want to know, do I say Hyung or Tong Zeng? Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Because
0: right now you're leader. supposed to be the same age. Do you right? address him in panmal or no Mal? <laughs> just, this, this well, we're both question.
1: leading our own entities. So. Well,
0: okay, that is—you heard it here first, folks. Um, okay, uh, James, what what else has been getting your attention lately? Um,
3: I'm uh, the, the news that uh, perhaps perhaps. There were the um, North Korea China rail border is reopening ever so slightly, right. which of course would be huge news potentially um, for the economy, uh, for perhaps humanitarian aid delivery. North Korea has obviously um, really uh, tightly closed its borders since the beginning of the pandemic, and um, it seems this has had a really massive impact on uh, on its economy. So it's it's definitely something to watch.
0: Right, but what is it that uh, what 's the old saying uh, in England that uh, a single sparrow or is it a single swallow does not a summer make? Have I got that right that that a single train heading across the bridge from Shiniju into Dandong does not uh, you know, does not signify complete re-establishment of trade between North Korea and China. It, it may not be much at all. It may be just a single load of, uh, of coal or something, um, uh, and then uh, something coming back in return from China. You know, we, we really have to wait until we see how frequent are these trains, how many are these trains, how long are the trains, right?
3: Well, of course, and also important to remember, I mean, North Korea was never a a huge international trade hub right. even before the pandemic. But I think it's because uh, we're, we're, we're so excited or, or watching this very carefully because yep. um, this uh, nothing has really been, uh, very little has been going into North Korea since the beginning of the of the pandemic. So we're all watching to look for clues to see is it reopening, how much... Is it reopening? Even if it's a little bit of reopening, um, it, it you know it it could be um, uh, signifying a a trend that is mm. slowly going to go in that direction. So you're you're correct. It's it's not going to change the world, um, but it it could it could be something.
0: And last year on the podcast and on NK News, we we were reported on the uh, uh, extensively. Uh, newly built quarantine facilities in Shenzhou, right? So if, that, if a train does come back from China, it'll presumably go straight into those newly built quarantine facilities and sit there, and then the question is how long does it sit there until it's deemed to be safe?
1: Yeah, uh, which right now um, could be anywhere between two weeks at the very, very most optimistic to two months, I would say. Two weeks to two months, that's quite a range there. Chongmin?
2: I believe you're talking about the disinfection center that right. y- that they turned an airfield in Uju yeah. into. um We do not know how what kind of uh, rules they have at specifically that place. Ah. But as far as I hear from uh, UNICEF, uh, it seems recently their their cargo or uh, aid shipment. Um, it was stuck in quarantine in Nampo and then were released recently. Mm. And they say that it took two to three months before well, they got into disinfection procedure.
0: Which is yeah, uh, before disinfection. Right. So okay. after
2: quarantine for two or three months, right. um, they sent the shipment to, to, to get those stuff into disinfect. Procedure and then they can get to the distribution centers.
0: So really, if you've got any perishable goods on those uh, in in that shipment, uh, that's not going to be any good after the period of quarantine and disinfection anymore, right? Yeah,
2: imagine vaccine doses.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, vaccine doses, food, um, and anything like that—it's not a good thing. Okay, well, that uh, I I think that wraps us up for today. We've got this uh, this fourth uh, launch to go and and report on. I I can see Jongmin is is edging to get out of here and and start writing. So thank you once again, James, Chad, and Jongmin for coming on the NK News Podcast, episode 218. Uh, And we'll be back again with a roundtable in our wonderful news studio very soon.
1: Thanks very much, Jacko. Okay.
0: Thank and you,
2: Jacko, for your amazing podcast. Yeah, hosting four years. For the past Congratulations! Four
0: years. Is it is the four-year
1: anniversary right now?
0: No, no. Uh, I, I'm uh, I'm saying this now because the next few episodes have already been uh, pre-recorded. But it'll actually be the 23rd of February will be the date that the first episode with Andrei Lankov went up on the website. Wow. So we're uh, three years and eleven months.
1: Terrible audio, that one. Terrible audio. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. If you're you're
0: new to the NK News podcast, we don't recommend you go back and listen to episode one again. Uh, Stick with the newer ones. The sounds much better. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you already have an NK News subscription, take a look at our NK Pro platform, which offers unparalleled services specifically catered to the needs of professionals who monitor developments on the Korean Peninsula. You can inquire about access and a trial membership at membership at nknews.org today. And if you have feedback, questions, guest recommendations, or comments, corrections for any of our technical details that we got wrong send them to podcast at nknews.org or one of the twitter accounts that i mentioned earlier our thanks as always to Arius Dare and brian betts for facil- facilitating it's always a hard word to say this podcast and to gabby magnuson our post-recording producer genius thanks and listening again next time